evening from Plunkett Studios in Largo, Florida. I'm Scott. I'm Avram. And we are here with episode 576 of F5 Live Refreshing Technology for Sunday, October 11th, 2020. This show is a proud part of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. This week, Oracle's eyeing a Supreme Court win. Epic is keeping iOS unreal. And DirecTV is on fire sale. Wherever you are and however you're accessing our show, whether it be on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or Snapchat, through a podcatcher like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, TuneIn, or a myriad of other options, through our live stream platforms, livestream.com, Twitch, Periscope, YouTube, or Facebook, or of course on our website, pluckitslive.com. Thank you for making us a part of your day. There's two ways you can do that. Uh, the first is you can join us live Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern at f5live.tv slash join us. There you can chat with us during the show and give your feedback on the topics as we talk about them. Or you can always subscribe at plughitslive.com slash subscribe. There you'll see all of our shows, including F5 Live, The Pilch Point, Plug Hits Live Presents, and a whole lot more. And of course, find all of the ways that you can watch or listen. Hey, Abram. How are you doing tonight? Oh, all right. Oh, man. I even <sighs> have one of those things where you spend hours trying to figure out how to program something. You program it, and then you realize that it's kind of useless. Oh, yes. I, uh, I spent several hours today on on such on such a project. Um, I was working on this is this is relevant to something the audience should know. So. Uh, Amazon Prime Day is Tuesday mm-hmm. and Wednesday of this week, and at Tom's Hardware, we take this ho- this deal holiday very seriously, and we spend a lot of time writing about the different deals that you can get. And so, I was looking at ways to one of the things that we like to do when we're writing about deals is we like to take the product images that we get and replace the plain white background with some kind of a colorful background, like a gradient sometimes. And I, I'm all about anything that we have to do repeatedly. We should, we should have to, we should automate. Absolutely. So I spent a long time in JavaScript trying to figure out how to make a Chrome extension to how to modify Chrome extension. I have to replace all of the white in the images with a back, make it transparent and make it a background. So first, I notice, of course, if you have an image of a product and it has a white label on it, that's not going to be good because then that's going to get erased. Yeah. So I came up with this really complex system to get all of the pixels that go from left to right, then stop when it finds something, a not white pixel, and then do it again from right to left. And that works fine if the product that you, the, the image that you're trying to get is of an object that is a box. But if you have something like a stick of RAM that has teeth in it mm-hmm. with white in between them or whatever, it doesn't get rid of that. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I try to obviate, you know, the magic wand tool, which is what yeah. you would use for that in uh, Photoshop or an image editor and do it for you automatically. But uh, I don't know. I think you probably need some kind of machine learning or something to figure out that the white space in an image is not part of the actual object, but part of the background. Yeah. Or, or have some sort of a, some sort of a, um, 
like the magic wand tool where you've got like edge detection tolerance and stuff like that, which prevents it from going inside. Yeah. You know, that magic yeah. 32 um, in Photoshop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Basically. Um, but also when you have a wand tool, you usually sometimes you end up having to manually clean it up by going, you know, if there's like a little gap in something where mm -hmm. I don't know, a hole in it, um, yeah, the inside of an A or object. something like that. Yeah, 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 exactly. So trying to programmatically detect something like that and figure out that this is white space and not white part of an object is, I don't know if that's even possible. So, hey, but I figure out how to do it to the point of <laughs> if you have a square hard drive, we can make a perfectly good background for it, no problem. Um anyway <sighs> yeah um i've yeah i can't tell you how many times i've been down that road where where you're like oh that was a lot of time and yeah that doesn't do what i wanted to at all oh yeah <laughs> so close yeah and yet so far there you, there you have it um but uh you could obviously get closer <sighs> if you did did it top bottom as well, but whew. <laughs> then you're getting into, you know, all kinds of multi-processing and dealing with, well, what if it's at a little bit of an angle? Oh, now you got to come in at 45s. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, don't even make, don't even get me started. <laughs> yeah, that uh, I'm, I'm sitting here anyway. running in my head through all the, <laughs> all the annoyances of that and yeah it doesn't sound oof, doesn't sound like fun but i can definitely yeah. i can definitely appreciate the going through the process of building a thing and when you're done going well that's not going to help most of the time yeah yeah oh well well if it helps sometimes so, uh... <laughs> at least it's better at least it's better than not helping at all right yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, the part that I did that actually does work well is is auto cropping, and that was that was more complicated uh, because what I had to figure out. And again, it's not. I mean, it's not the concept. It's not that complicated conceptually, but it just took a while physically. Uh, was figuring out if you have a picture of an image that's on a white background, and you want to crop it to exactly sixteen nine, but you want to make sure that you don't cut off. Um, the bottom or top of any object in the image, mm -hmm. having it come up with actual boundaries, the like furthest left, right, top and bottom boundaries of mm -hmm. of non-white pixels, and then and then like figure out how to make the canvas like that to maximize the amount of object or whatever. So yeah. I did figure that one out um, and do that. So. <laughs> Whatever. I'm all about if I could pro press anything that's repetitive, like having to do crop something, having to draw things with a magic wand tool or whatever, uh -huh. it feels to me like something that a robot should do. So uh -huh. in my life, in my work, I'm all about can I automate this so that so that I can get on to doing the creative work. I'd rather spend ten hours automating something that takes me twenty seconds than do the twenty second thing. <laughs> that's so it's a principle. Mar Mark and I used to talk about that at, at uh, Sumo Software all the time. You know, if if you're doing a task more than a couple of times, that 
it's time to it's time to automate it. And Mark would always joke that, you know, he'd he'd much rather spend two days building a thing to save five minutes than to <laughs> than to do the five minute task. So I, yeah, it's demeaning. It's like I know a robot could do this. I know a computer could do this. Anyway, absolutely. I have built the the number of of like web scrapers I've built over the years is <laughs> painful. We won't talk about the one that I used to um to cheat in a in a best of the bay <laughs> online survey thing for um for restaurant stuff for creative loafing but in, in the end it didn't work because creative loafing was cheating too but that's a whole different topic uh, anyway yeah that's that's always frustrating but you know you the the things that you did uh can help you like don't put it away Right, let it bounce around in your right. head for a couple of days, and you might go, <gasps> "Got it." Yep, and be able to solve it tomorrow just by not thinking about it. So, and that's good advice for everybody. Just because you don't have a solution today doesn't mean you won't have a solution tomorrow because your brain continues to work on problems even when you don't think they are. are you what? Even when you don't think that it is. So, anyway, that's not. A topic of our show, uh, but we do have a lot of topics to get through uh, tonight, so let's get to it. This week's Nifty Gifties on F5 Live is proudly powered by the Microsoft Store. Whether you're looking for a new laptop, a tablet, a new Xbox, games, and a whole lot more like phones, VR, and AR headsets. Uh, you can get them all at the Microsoft Store. And remember that current students, faculty, parents, and active military can save up to 10% on almost everything. And uh, they've actually got links on all the products to make that calculation easy for you. And you can find it all by going to f5live.tv slash Microsoft. So... This is a story that we have been following now for just over a decade. I literally wrote the initial story on this in August of 2010. Um, and it has finally hit its apex a decade later. Um, I, I want to start by getting into kind of the, the high level and then we'll talk in detail on what's going on. So in 2010, Oracle did what all the cool kids were doing at the time, and that was filing suit against Google. Um, <laughs> everybody had their own weird reasons for it. But in Oracle's case, um, they uh, alleged that, that Google had uh, illegally duplicated the API structure of Java in implementing for Android. Now, what does that mean? First, there's the API, which is the Application Programming Interface. Um, most of the time when Avram and I talk about APIs, we're talking about web APIs or web services, uh, the things that a website uses or a, a, a mobile application uses to get data and things like that. Uh, in this case, the API is just, uh, is the structure in, or the, the, the low level code that makes Java happen. Um, 
It's the stuff that programmers use to make all of the, the internal Java uh, functions possible. Um, on top of the API, or the top layer of the API, is the API surface. Um, and that is what this lawsuit is all about. It's all about the surface. The surface is the part that, as a programmer, you see. It's got namespaces, it's got classes and functions and arguments, but you don't know what's going on below it. Um, that's the actual API. The API surface is what Google uh, copied to implement uh, the, the Java uh, integration on, on Android. Now, very long ago. Um, Java is not a publicly accessible system. It is owned, operated, and licensed by Sun, which is a subsidiary of of uh, Oracle in the same way that C Sharp is owned, operated, and uh, and licensed by Microsoft. Um, and so Oracle said that by by duplicating the API structure, the API surface, uh, Google had violated their copyright. Google has always argued that API surfaces are not um, copyrightable um, and has argued... <laughs> These two companies have argued in so many courts over the last 10 years um, that we could spend all night just listing the courts of appeal over and over and over <laughs> over the last decade. But this week, the case finally made it to the Supreme Court. Um, the justices heard uh, arguments from both sides. And Google did a really poor job of of making their case. Um, in fact, uh, several legal experts uh, have have had not nice things to, to say about it. Um, and in fact, uh, one, one person said that it was, oh, they said something worse than it was a disaster. I don't remember the exact wording and I'm looking for it now, but... Um, they ref the lawyers for Google refused to get into the nuances of what the difference between the API surface was and the API itself, and they argued that um, that the surface just uh, provided a method of operation because programmers operate the Java language through invocations of those interfaces, um, but but uh, Oracle's uh, lawyers. And two of the justices said, well, how is that different than any other function <laughs> in your own code? Because your argument, if we went with it, would invalidate all software, software copyrights. And um, they didn't have an answer for it. So by the end of arguments, it did not sound like this was going to go in, in Google's favor, which based on their arguments is probably, probably a good thing because the idea of invalidating copyright uh, for all software would be um, a security and, uh, and market nightmare. Yeah, I, I, look, I can't imagine any court invalidating all software copyrights. That would be ridiculous. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's destroying a huge, a huge market segment and I'm sure it would go up to the Supreme Court. 
which is definitely very pro-business. Well, it's where we are right now. We're literally in the Supreme Court. It would be the Supreme Court that would be making this decision. Right. Yeah. So you're right. So, (laughs) yeah, there's no way that they're going to there's no way that uh, no matter what the composition of of the court is, there's no way that they're going to strike down the idea of software copyrights. Right. There's just too much. Uh, there's just too much money in it. Yeah. There's just, it's just, it would be, it would be destabilizing to businesses. And uh, if there's one thing the Supreme Court doesn't want to destabilize its businesses, so. And and definitely the the industry that has been responsible for uh, most of the economic growth over the last decade or so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if, <laughs> if everything were were if everything were free and open source. Where where would the money come from? Mm-hmm. And can you imagine if I mean, it was granted? If it was completely legal for me to uh, to essentially download the Tom's Hardware uh, site, I mean, I'd have to get through your security. But you know what I mean. And then just duplicate it elsewhere. <laughs> well, that wouldn't be software copyright so much as it I don't would mean. Be, uh, I don't mean the content. I mean the. I mean the the actual the stuff that you've written the all the plugins for your CMS, all that stuff, you know, then I can, I can create a site. I don't know. There's, I mean, I mean, I think that's, we all spend a lot of money to, uh, to, to, to people to, to build things, to make, to give us an advantage. You know, you were literally talking about, you know, your plugin doing, doing background stuff, you know, even little stuff like that. It's just to give you an advantage in your day to make you a little more productive, but you're not free. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think, I think the thing is clearly intellectual property has value. We all know this. So I, I don't foresee the court overturning that. No, I don't either. What I, and and when it comes to to API surfaces, I have a I have an interesting like split feeling on it. I believe that in the case of of Oracle, because the Java uh, Java structure is not publicly accessible, it's not a public thing. It's a it's a licensed thing through Sun. Oracle has the has the right to protect that structure. Um, and make it them. And then on the other hand, say Amazon S3, their web API for storage, every web storage system on the planet, save for maybe Azure, has duplicated the web API structure of Amazon S3 so that you can easily, uh, within software, switch from Amazon to Wasabi or something and uh, you just change out a library in your software and you're off and running. No code in your system has to change. Um, Amazon doesn't license access to the web API. Um, in fact, you don't even, you can have a free account with Amazon to have that, you know, to use it. And Amazon has never claimed that that, that API surface is, is protected. So, you know, if, if you don't want to protect your stuff, you're not required to, but if you want to, well then, yeah, (laughs) it's this, it's the whole concept of open source, right? Some companies, 
say anybody can can use our code. We don't care. You do you. And other companies say, nope, this is proprietary stuff, sometimes because it's uh, against federal law to export certain code if there's encryption and stuff involved. Even Microsoft, who's done a ton of, of open sourcing, hasn't open sourced certain stuff because it's against federal law. Um, but, you know, it, it's up to the... It's up to the, the intellectual property owner, as far as I'm concerned, and Oracle saying, this is protected. I'm fine with that. And I'm okay with Amazon not caring. <laughs> you know, I, I think it's, it's uh, everybody's choice. Uh, the quote, by the way, was, he did an abysmal job. That was from a, a legal scholar at Cornell. <laughs> that's... that's that's a hell of a quote right there. You, that's, that doesn't even just say that, that you sucked. That's an abysmal job. Ooh. And if you, if you read some of the, the conversation between like uh, him and even uh, Brett Kavanaugh, um, the, he did not have answers for nothing. So I don't think there's any way that Google wins this thing. But here's the thing. We have a weird Supreme Court scenario right now. Uh, instead of nine justices, we currently have eight. We've been waiting a decade for this thing to make it to the court, and we have the most unfortunate scenario possible. Um, so normally, you'd have two possible outcomes. In this case, we have three. Um, Oracle could win outright, you know, 5-3, no problem, move on, national precedent sent, set. Google could win. 5-3, outright, national precedent set, move on. Or it could be a tie, which is what I do not want. I do not want to see a tie because here's what happens. No national precedent is set, um, which means that every region can continue to litigate this uh, except for California, which would be a disaster until it could maybe make its way back to the Supreme Court, which will never happen Um but a tie would mean that Oracle wins. Uh, but no precedent is set because it's a tie. So I'm just hoping for not a tie, Avram. <laughs> I want this well, issue to this be. What? I want this issue to be written in stone and just move on with our day, whatever it is. Would this would this mean that? Google would then have to pay Oracle. Uh, oh, yeah. Like, would the cost be passed passed along to people buying Android phones, for example? So, so obviously, by doing this, Google was trying to to avoid paying royalties to Sun that owns Java. Um, the fact that they have essentially skirted <laughs> licensing fees for over a decade. Um, would not be does not obviously does not weigh light on Oracle's shoulders, or they would not have taken this to the Supreme Court. There will be a fee involved, and there will be a fee going forward. We, I've done some research. I have looked into some numbers, and the the decade of past due unpaid uh, licensing fees could be in the billions to tens of billions. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of money on the line. Yeah. I don't think 
don't think that Google just has that sitting in the glove compartment either. Mm -hmm. They're going to make you, they're going to make you pay for it. So, uh, better, better buy my, uh, better buy my new Android phone now. Yeah. Before, before Google starts having to, having to actually license it. (laughs) Is it Google that's going to have to pay all of it? Or is it going to be anybody who makes a device with Android? No, it's, it's a hundred percent going to be on Google because because uh, Google created the development environment. Just because you know Android Studio and you know all of all of the things surrounding it are all intentional uh, skirting of of uh, copyright law. Um, just because Samsung has Android on their devices, they don't have anything to do with the programming environment or anything like that. That's all on Google. So it's not going to be like uh, like Motorola having to pay a dollar seventy five to Nokia for every phone that they sold for violating Nokia's <laughs> patents inside of inside of Android. Um, so it'll definitely be all on Google, which will be it will be fat. Plus, of course, court costs a decade worth of court costs, including. Uh, arguing in front of the Supreme Court, this this is this ooh, is going to be a mess. Um, obviously, we do not have a ruling yet because uh, they just heard it on Wednesday. But uh, by the end of their session, um, obviously they have to have to publish their rulings um, before their session ends. Uh, so, at some point, probably before the end of the year, we will hear what the what the uh, ruling on this one is. Um, there's far reaching implications here, uh, depending on how the, how the decision is written. So we will definitely be coming back to this, uh, when the decision comes out, because this is going to affect everybody in one way or another. This week's Pilch Point with Avram Pilch is proudly powered by PureVPN. The best way to protect your privacy online is with PureVPN. You can hide your online activities, say goodbye to regional restrictions, and improve your streaming quality. Plus, it's available for almost all of your devices, and you can get a special price and a 31-day money-back guarantee right now by going to pilchpoint.live slash purevpn. All right, Avram. We uh we got to see a device. <laughs> he showed it briefly, uh, I think last week, but now we get to hear some more about it, right? All right. So, uh, artificial intelligence in your house. Uh, this uh, this is the Nvidia Jetson Nano two gigabyte. It is a new development board from NVIDIA that was just announced last week, and I don't think you can even purchase it yet, but when you will be able to, it'll be $59. So what you get with this board is, this is somewhat of, I wouldn't say necessarily a direct competitor, but it's somewhat of a competitor to a Raspberry Pi with better artificial intelligence, better machine learning capabilities. It has a quad-core processor that has 128 CUDA cores, which are good for graphics, but most importantly, good for 
things like image recognition, uh, sound recognition, things like that. And what NVIDIA is doing is NVIDIA is making available a bunch of free online courses that you can use to learn about how to create your own AI programs in standard programming languages like Python. And you can use this board to do it. So my son and I spent a little time this week trying to get this up and running. We had a little bit of difficulty so far um, in that some of the tutorial stuff, some of the courseware we weren't able to, to get running yet. But uh, we could see that this is quite a powerful machine. And a lot of people have used the four gigabyte version of this, which came out last year and costs quite a bit more uh, at, at $99 to to also build things so for example last week um, a couple weeks ago i had on my podcast show um, a guy named ahad cove who made a self-driving trash can and i think i might have mentioned this before and he needed you know one of these actually the the big brother of this the xavier uh xavier nx which is a little more expensive but you could use this for the same purpose to to see when a garbage truck was coming down the street this is really good for doing things like building your own robot uh, it has uh, 40 pin uh, 40 pins for general purpose input output so it can uh, provide that you can find the software with it for it it can work with any raspberry pi hat um, it has uh, it charge it gets power over USB Type C, which is uh, kind of a nice improvement over the four gigabyte model that took a proprietary barrel connector. Uh, this will um, the old one would also charge over micro USB, but would not get a full uh, full amount of voltage for full performance. So this will work with any. Uh, five volt three amp charger you have around lying around for your phone or if you have a raspberry pi that's the standard for that uh, it has single hdmi out uh, and it's got three three usb ports and you can see it's got this giant heatsink because it, it needs it because it's uh doing so much processing it runs a version of ubuntu that nvidia maintains called elinux which is uh, pretty straightforward although i had to try and figure out how to set up a set up a virtual network connection was setting up a virtual network connection to control this remotely was more challenging than it should have been and was kind of slow uh, once i got it running a virtual network connection for those who don't know is if you want to remote control it so let's say uh, you don't want to connect this to monitor because your other monitors are in use but you do want to see what's going on on the desktop that's where you would use VNC and you use that for, for this or for Raspberry Pi or whatever, but um, setting, getting it set up on this involved a lot of work at the command line and was still a bit sluggish when I, uh, when I got it going. But it's overall a really powerful way, particularly when you start looking at the very detailed online, free online courses that NVIDIA has, a very detailed way to get to a very inexpensive, 
helpful way to learn how to make your own AI projects that you can use around the house or take, take to other platforms. So you can take this and you can learn how to have it do facial recognition and then maybe take it to a more expensive platform where it will go even fast, where it will work even faster. Or you can use this and using the GPIO pins, which power electronics, you could use this to build a robot. You could use this to build uh, a smart speaker uh, or a smart camera. So it also has a camera port on it for connecting to a standard Raspberry Pi camera. And also, of course, you could connect a USB webcam to one of the three USB ports here. So overall, this is a very promising product, the Jetson Nano, NVIDIA Jetson Nano 2 gigabytes, coming for $59 later this month. It also has, in one really nice improvement over the prior model, if you get it in the US, market and i believe also in europe it comes with a free wi-fi dongle which was uh, something that was really sadly missing from the four gigabyte model where you had to find and get your own compatible wi-fi dongle uh, which not every wi-fi dongle was compatible with it and that was extra money whereas this comes with one that the drivers and everything are built into the operating system right out of the box well, that's good because that sounds reminiscent of the days of uh, the old like Roku devices that didn't have Wi-Fi built in. You had to figure yeah. out or the old DirecTV yeah. boxes. And you're like, well, is this the one that works? Oh, no, this is revision three. I need revision two. Oh, yeah, I had I had quite a, a unpleasant time with the prior model trying to find a working Wi-Fi dongle. And uh, I was very critical of it for that when you consider the Raspberry Pi. Uh, if you get a $10 Raspberry Pi Zero W that has Wi-Fi built in, mm -hmm. I still don't understand why they can't have have built a Wi-Fi radio onto the board. But I guess as long as they're giving you the dongle and it works right out of the box, that's good. They they said that in some markets, like I think the Asian market, it will not come with a dongle, but it'll sell for $5 less and you can mm -hmm. therefore bring your own dongle. I hope the dongle support has gotten better in the last year since this since the original model came out because at that time I was trying a couple different dongles and they didn't work and what I had to do not having Ethernet where I was uh, was to take an Ethernet to USB cable connector connect it to my laptop which has Wi-Fi and then do connection sharing where it used my laptop's Wi-Fi as its Ethernet, which mm -hmm. is something, by the way, you can do with any device that has Ethernet only. If you you have Ethernet only and you're in a room without an Ethernet connection, you can take a, your laptop, your Windows laptop, probably also a Linux laptop or Mac laptop, connect uh, a US connect an Ethernet to USB or or just any Ethernet. Connect an Ethernet it to ethernet on your laptop. If your laptop doesn't have ethernet, you can use a $5 ethernet to USB dongle and then run it to here. And then there's, it's very easy in windows to share your connection. Mm -hmm. So if you ever have to, if you're ever stuck with a device that doesn't have Wi-Fi, uh, that's something you can do. Yeah. The network, the network bridge, if nothing else is pretty easy to set up in windows too. 
Uh, but it's good that it's it's coming with coming with the hardware. Like you said, it's a shame that it doesn't have it have it built in. That's that's so weird. Like like you said, a ten dollar Raspberry Pi's got it built in. Just inexpensive, no yeah. name uh, cameras and stuff have it built in. It's weird that that something that's designed for such a a specific. Uh, semi-connected state would not have it built in that's weird yeah yeah i mean especially because you might use it on something like a robot uh-huh. i mean ether don't get me wrong ethernet is nice and did you know ethernet celebrated i'm gonna put the word in air quotes celebrated but celebrated that somebody celebrated the 40th anniversary of ethernet last week i saw something was, about i that. got yeah i got all these pitches about a celebration of Ethernet's 40th anniversary. And I thought, uh, you know, okay, I guess you could think about it that way. I mean, it, it has been very useful over its lifetime. It's just not something I think about as a modern miracle, maybe because it's it's kind of the annoying thing that you try to get, you try to go or get past, right? Like, right, like wire, having having wires, you know, it's like there's still people using a landline phone too. We're gonna celebrate, uh, celebrate the you know invention of the phone. I guess we should. I mean, but it's just the, the things that you're you're trying to get past or celebrate the invention of touchtone or something. Like you try to, it's a technology that's. I mean, Ethernet's gonna be around a long time. Let's let's not, you know, let's let's be honest. Ethernet's gonna be around a long time because. It's still faster than Wi-Fi in a lot of cases. Uh-huh. A lot of people who use desktops prefer Ethernet for gaming. And if your desktop is in a room that is near an Ethernet connection, by all rights, you should use it. But, you know, I'll never forget uh, when I saw my first laptop running Wi-Fi and I thought, this is magic. I mean, you can get the Internet without being plugged into something. Amazing. Let's celebrate that. That's that's funny because I remember setting up my first network that was Ethernet and not uh, BNC coax and thinking, oh, this is better. <laughs> well, that's 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 <laughs> true too. I mean, everything's a little better than the thing before. Also, you know, when you have Ethernet, you know, when you have a network, oh wow, I have network. I can connect these things. Like one of the coolest yeah. things I ever saw. Um, was when my friend this is really dating me now when my friend uh, and i were in college and i went to visit him in, at his school and he had he we went to the computer lab where all of their windows pcs were networked and we were and we each had a uh, doom we each had doom on a floppy disk and we and we went and installed it so that we could we could play four player doom and I was like, oh, wow, network computing. That's so awesome. My, I have the exact same story, except it's Warcraft 2. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, uh, I believe Doom was the first to do it, though. Yeah, I think so, too. I, my, my final thing I'll say is, if you want to know all about, all about old video games like Doom, <laughs> watch the Netflix uh, series High Score, which has a whole episode about that. Actually, every all of the six episodes of it are good. And uh, I just um, 
I just read a thing. God, I wish I'd saved the the link because we joke about this in the industry way too frequently for me to have lost the link about um, uh, porting Doom to every screen that exists. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> the people are, are running it on Raspberry Pi now. I, I remember within... I think it was within 72 hours of the, the MacBook with the touch bar coming out. They had it running across that thing. Obviously, there's no need for that. And it is not playable because you can't see what's happening. But it, that's not the point. <laughs> or running it on an ATM. Oh, running it on the ATM made me happy. Anyway, <laughs> people, are, people are crazy. Um, obviously, you've got this thing. Uh, you. <laughs> And you've been working with it. You must be uh, in the process of writing about it. Yeah. Yes. In the process of writing, uh, writing review when I get all the courseware up and running. Also, this week has been very busy. And well, next week will be even busier because I will say this to everybody. It's Prime Day. So this is a good time, as I think I've mentioned on previous shows, where you could pick uh, or you could pick up some, find some interesting deals on tech that you might need. Some of it might be major tech that you really need, like a monitor. Some of it might be things that you've just been thinking about upgrading, like new headphones. And some of it might be, it might be little impulse purchase things that you could always use a better one or one extra of, like like power banks or wrist rests or micro SD cards. Um, but micro SD cards. <laughs> we will be covering the full gamut of interesting tech deals on Tom's hardware uh, this week, especially Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Uh, Friday officially starts Tuesday, but we'll be putting up some deals starting Monday, uh, writing, about, writing about some deals starting Monday. So uh, come check us out. Well, I know, I know it's a lot of work and I know it's, it, it can be, it can be exhausting and frustrating, but I can tell you on behalf of those of us who, uh, who, enjoy the deals what you do is is very helpful and you probably don't hear it often enough but but thank you uh -huh. to you and your team for 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 doing it all because there's so is much there anything, there's so much is there anything in particular like i always have a strategy is there anything in particular like things that i'm like yeah if this i see this thing on sale or this type of thing on sale you know i'm gonna i'm gonna get one do you have anything on your if I see see it on sale, I'm going to get it less. Well, definitely micro SD. Uh, after what happened at the beginning of the show tonight, I'm going to buy a half a dozen of those since I seem to burn them out in a year. Um, you know, I don't have, I don't necessarily have a whole lot. Um, you know, last year, uh, all of the neat mics went on sale um, for, for prime day. And if they, if they do it again, um, I'm likely to buy one for Michelle uh, because she's the only one in the group left that doesn't have that doesn't have one. Um, so I'm likely to purchase one of those for her because um, I got one for Danielle already. Um, uh, so the neat mics are are definitely uh, on my on my agenda. Um, you know the the lights that we've been using in the studio here uh, since the move are battery powered. So I've been looking for maybe some non-battery powered ones. We purchased them specifically for using on the cameras at CES, but they're on tripods in here. So if I can find some, some non-battery powered ones, uh, 
But once again, it's it's a lot to do with the studio, as it usually is for me. You know, as we've mentioned, the the stand that the TV over here that was originally for you uh, came from uh, came from a Prime Day deal, as did several other things in the studio. So it, it tends to be studio stuff for me. Yeah, I I don't. I mean, I have one major item on my list, which is to get a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, second new monitor i got one new monitor a, a, a 4k lenovo monitor uh a couple of weeks ago i'm waiting to see if it goes it was on sale now it's off sale i want to see if it goes on a better sale if it does or when it does or eventually when i get annoyed i will get a second <laughs> one because i have to have a matching one so uh so we will we will see about that eventually when i get annoyed <laughs> Like, oh, I'm, now, I'm already annoyed because because I because I set up. I showed you this before, but here for the audience at home, I just this is really hard to see on the webcam because it doesn't stretch very far. But I just set up my three monitor setup. So here's here's monitor one, which is a Lenovo ThinkVision S28U10, which is pretty nice. And then over here, I've got. Uh, my old Dell 24 inch and another old Dell 24 inch on top, which is off because I have to get a longer cable to go up there, which I have waiting in my now. Uh, so I have an empty spot here for a fourth monitor. And my goal is to get a second one of the Lenovo monitor, put it on the right, and then have the two old monitors on top. Yeah, that that's completely understandable. Um, I, a, a monitor, like for example, the one that you just got, um, you know, I, it's something that I would definitely consider, um, cause you know, the ones, the ones that I've got are, are from 2011. Now, granted I've got like eight of them around here cause there's two of them I'm looking yeah. at right now. And I've got, I think f- at least four up in the office and. But having 4K ones like that definitely would be uh, definitely would be attractive, especially since it has the the vase amount, and uh, I wouldn't have to use yeah the workaround that I'm using yeah. on the HPs. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And you know, one thing I will say for folks to look forward to is we are doing a we're getting in and doing some testing of budget 4K monitors, and it is really affordable now to get a 27 or 28 inch 4K monitor. Mm-hmm. This Lenovo that I got was 260, 265 uh, when I got it for a 28 inch 4K monitor um, with pretty decent color. And, uh, you know, at times it's been on sale as low as 220. So that's that's pretty good. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, it doesn't have a lot of frills in terms of ports, but it's pretty good for, for getting some, some good pixels. You know, if it gets the job done, that's the important part. <laughs> yeah. You don't need the frills. That's that's fine. Uh, well, Avram, again, thank you for the work you will be doing this week, as well as uh, for showing off uh, that super cool uh, AI board. I'm I was intrigued by the first one. I'm super intrigued by uh, the price of this one. So it will definitely be uh, be on my list when it comes out. So as always, uh, thank you for that and I look forward to what we talk about next.
This week's Extra Life on F5 Live is proudly powered by Razer. You get all of the accessories you need to up your game on your PC, console, or mobile device from Razer. Whether you're looking for a gaming mouse and keyboard, like we use here in the studio, um, a new light for your webcam to make your Twitch stream better, or an entire gaming setup like your Razer Blade 15, you can find it all at Razer by going to f5live.tv slash Razer. So obviously, one of the big gaming topics this year has been especially the second half of the year, has been the, um, the battle between Epic and uh, Apple. And more than just that, it's been the kind of the battle of philosophies, right? Of, of open versus closed uh, in, in terms of ecosystems. Apple has been notoriously a closed ecosystem, uh, Windows obviously has been a notoriously open ecosystem. Then you've got Google in the middle that has some properties of both, um, particularly when it comes to their uh, their store. Um, Epic sued Apple because Apple pulled Fortnite from the store when Epic <laughs> allowed Fortnite players to buy in-game currency not through the Apple Store. Apple's policy is that you can only make purchases through the Apple Store, which means that they pay 30% to Apple. That's the, the very quick, high-level thing. Now, after that, uh, Epic filed suit, and then Apple said that they were canceling Epic's developer license, which meant that not only Fortnite was in trouble, but uh, everything that Epic develops for Apple devices and not just iOS, was in trouble. Most importantly, Unreal Engine. Now, if you want to talk about how important Unreal Engine is to the development community, GMC just announced that the, uh, the all-electric Hummer infotainment system is built on Unreal Engine. So, <laughs> Unreal is used to power not just games, but Business applications, AR and VR stuff, Unreal is everywhere. So the idea that all of a sudden anybody developing for an Apple device would not be able to use it anymore. We're talking iOS, Android, uh, what iOS, uh, what, what's their thing called? Mac OS, uh, <laughs> Apple TV, all of that would, uh, would be without Unreal Engine support. And so everybody who had built on top of it would have been screwed. Obviously, Epic fought that in court as well. They asked uh, for an injunction to block Apple from being able to remove Fortnite from the store and uh, to block them from preventing Unreal Engine development. A, uh, a court in the Northern District of California ruled in favor of both companies. Uh, Fortnite may will remain out of the store um, because it violates the terms of the store agreement, but Apple cannot be punitive and uh, and go after the entire developer account, uh, which is uh, what it was decided was happening, which which makes sense to me, especially when you're talking about something as big and ubiquitous as as Unreal Engine, right, Abram? I think that was a real overstep by Apple to try and block it. I mean, and and the judge probably did them a favor 
because the negative publicity from that would be very would be really bad mm-hmm. i mean you have a lot of partners using that so you're really going to stick it to your partner to your partners like that right because you're angry at epic that that's really not smart on apple's part like be professional you don't uh they're violating the terms of service which i you know think they have a good case as to why these terms of service are very unfair and kind of monopolistic behavior but but that's a different argument you know, that's that's its that's own a thing. different argument that's a different argument than we're gonna also punish you by kicking uh, by making unreal unusable so mm-hmm. that's uh i think this is in apple's best interest yeah i i think it's in apple's best interest i think it's in the best interest of like probably a quarter of of ios developers and i know that sounds like a lot but i truly believe that there is a huge percentage of games that are built and apps that are built for ios and unreal um, and for users, because yes, there's unity. Yes, there's, you know, there's game maker. Um, but no, none of them are unreal engine. I, I'm sorry. They're, <laughs> they're just not unity is not unreal engine They're It's, it's unfair. <laughs> um, so, so I think even, even users would have been, been harmed pretty significantly on it. So I think it was the right decision. Um, There was no way that summary judgment was going to be given in favor of Epic games on the, on the Fortnite uh, topic. And I, I understand that they, (laughs) they wanted to give it a try, but there was a 0% chance that there was going to be a summary judgment on that topic. But uh, I think, I think the judge made the right decision in both cases to, uh, to put a permanent injunction against uh, Apple um, going after Epic on the Unreal side and a temporary injunction allowing them to continue keeping Fortnite out. Um, on the other side of things, um, this week Microsoft put out a, uh, a blog post that included what they are calling their app fairness policy, which is mostly uh, a reiteration and a commitment to the way things have always been. Uh, on on Windows, but what they're doing is they're staking their claim. They're putting their name on a side of the fight, which I think in this case is is important. Uh, and ironically, it puts Microsoft and Linux on the same side of a fight, and uh, Apple and Google on the other side, which is not usually the way this stuff goes. Google and Linux tend to be on one side, and Apple and Microsoft on the other. But this is not going that way. With uh, with Microsoft reminding people that um, that uh, they will never prevent a, a publisher from putting an app or a game on on Windows because of their payment system, uh, they will never lock Windows to a single uh, deployment scheme. Yes, there was Windows 10 S, but that's more of a more of a security restriction than it is anything else. Um, they will never prevent uh, third-party stores like Steam and the Epic Games Store. Um, and they also promised to revisit these policies, uh, these core principles on a regular basis to ensure that they fall in line with current legal 
requirements and of course developer feedback. Um, nothing in it was new. Uh, all of it was what we know about Microsoft and the Windows uh, and Xbox ecosystems, uh, but particularly the Windows ecosystem. Um, and uh, and they were just trying to put out their their support for a side of this battle because uh, you know we talked at the top of the show about Oracle and Google. That's going to have lasting repercussions, and so is this um, because this is this is like a a cultural fight more than more than the Oracle and Google one is. This is this is a, a battle of philosophy and uh, everybody's taking sides and it's going to be a big case. And just like Oracle and Google, I suspect that that Apple and Epic uh, will make it eventually to the Supreme Court for there to be uh, precedent set unless legislation goes in place before uh, it gets up that high. But this is just the beginning for those two, and uh, we're going to see more companies take sides on this. This week... This week's news from the tubes on F5 Live is proudly powered by Rift Tracks. Make fun of movies or let these guys do it for you. Mike Nelson, Bill Corbett, and Kevin Murphy, the former stars of Mystery Science Theater 3000, are back and doing what they do best, creating commentaries for Hollywood blockbusters and B-movie oddities. It's like watching a movie with your funniest friends. And you can find out about all of the full-length features the short films, TV episodes, and live events by going to f5live.tv slash rifttracks with an X. Um, one of the things that we have a history of talking about on the show is uh, features of systems going in with a high potential for abuse. Um, and one of those was announced this week um, we're going to avoid the political side of of this topic and talk entirely in terms of of um, the ability to abuse this new feature. Um, so, Yelp announced a a new feature uh, that's coming in the very near future that will put up an alert on a business listing when that listings. Uh, reviews have had an uptick in commentary about racist behavior, uh, speech, or uh, imagery. Uh, so, or iconography. So, anybody who regularly uses Yelp knows that user reviews have to be taken with a grain of salt. And we've talked about this not just in Yelp. Anything that has user reviews has to be taken with a grain of salt because, as I say all the time, anything that has rules is a game and any game is going to have professional players. In the case of Yelp, the professional players are either organized social media attacks based on any number of things. We've seen it happen a lot on both Yelp and uh, Facebook reviews. Uh, it can be through an organization, or it can be through um, a company. There are companies that you can pay to have either positive or negative reviews 
uh, posted to uh, a listing. The, the accounts look legit because they, they post more than one review, um, but they are paid for. Yelp does an okay job, okay job of policing. Um, they will, they'll pause uh, new reviews on a listing that has a, a sudden major influx, things like that. Um, but what they have generally avoided has been essentially Yelp certifying information. And that's kind of what we're looking at here. Um, by Yelp putting up a essentially a Yelp branded alert, um, people will take that at a higher value than user reviews, which most people know are not to be trusted. But um, if you're one of these social media attacks, organizations, or, or companies that's putting fake reviews out, if I were one of them, this would be my new go-to. If I was trying to, to, to harm a business, this would be my new way to do it. Um, so, so I understand what they're going for. Tech companies, ex- I, I, except for Coinbase, have you know been trying to to show how down with the struggle they are. But this has a huge potential for abuse to me. So here's what I don't totally understand about how this is going to be used. Mm-hmm. So is this to flag that the establishment has racist stuff going on, or mm-hmm. is this to flag? that the commenters are using racist language the 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 location the business so in other words if i come on and i say i went to this restaurant and the waiter was a racist did this racist thing or said a racist thing or Mm -hmm. or whatever that's what they're trying to flag yes or that the owners have or that the owners have have things up uh in the restaurant or outside that there's iconography or you know anything like that Mm -hmm. that's a really yeah that's that's really tough i mean i think i i get why they think that they should call this out but i think they're better off i mean readers were calling it out i mean if if it's really happening right if there really is uh, racist speech happening or people are made to feel uncomfortable uh, going to a business, then they should be talking. I, I think they should be talking about it on Yelp. Sure. Uh, I think, I mean, that's what it's there for is to point out, you know, yes, businesses hate getting negative reviews, but if everything is wonderful, then nothing is wonderful. And so you sure. have to point out when something is, when you've had a bad experience, I think it's, I think it's actually great that people do do legitimately call attention to this stuff. Now, obviously, there's a problem because, as you said, the, anyone can defame any any business using Yelp. Um, but at the same time, if I'm going to use a business, I you know I really want to know if I really do want to know if that's a reliable business and sure. I have used, if not always Yelp, 
other user reviews to help me make decisions. And I don't, you know, I don't regret it. Sure. Absolutely. Like, obviously I look and I see, you know, I look for a lot of information, right? A lot of sources of information and you've got to be a good consumer. Sure of those user views, but I think that they're, they're very, I think that there's, there's, you know, look, any, I mean, now maybe I'm pulling back a little bit from just the, you know, is it, are they, you know, racist, but, um, but like when you look at, um, you know, a couple, a couple of weeks ago, uh, you know, I was, uh, pitched to buy a, um, Oh, get to it. Says pitch to buy like a like to to rent like a CPAP machine to help me sleep better, right? Okay. And uh, and the doctor sent you know said, oh, we want you to you know this. We want you to use this business that's going to call you that we like to work with, and and they'll rent it to you. And I went and I googled this and I saw reviews on Google and I saw a lot of things and this business that they wanted me to rent from has an F from the Veteran Business Bureau Oof. and is loaded with user reviews saying this company took our money and didn't provide the product or this company doesn't answer the phone or they, they put me into collection for something I never got, like just really, really horrible stuff. And when I saw those type of comments and I saw them in multiple places, right. I also saw they got an F rating from the Better Business Bureau I was like, yeah, this sounds very believable to me. Yeah. I'm not, I refuse to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, to start a relationship with this business where I have to pay them every month for something. I'm going to go elsewhere because I don't trust, Absolutely. I don't trust this. Absolutely. So, so, you and know, that, and, yeah. And so yeah. In, in that particular case, the F from the Better Business Bureau is, is the thing that connects with me on this topic the most, you know, the better, better business bureau is putting their reputation on the line by saying, this is a problem, right? They have policies in place. They have research that they do. They, they make calls. They do, you know, they, an F from the better business bureau is not just, Hey, a couple people said, you know, or, a hundred people said this is this is the case. We've done our research, and so that stamp that that is the thing that I think people are going to think this is, which isn't going to be the case because it's not like Yelp is going to go out of their way. They don't have you know lawyers and uh, and uh, compliance officers that are that are going to verify all this information. They're going to go look for a news article or something from what they consider a reputable source. But, you know, here in just here in St. Pete, I think it was two weekends ago, we had this thing happen. uh, I think it was on Central Avenue. Um, A group went up and down Central Avenue uh, accosting uh, restaurant customers, uh, and they accused the restaurants and the patrons of being racist. They threw stuff. They flipped chairs. They flipped tables. Uh, It was a... It was a huge disaster, um, and so obviously there was news coverage of it, and the news coverage essentially says, you know, group claims ra- restaurant is racist, and then you have, so there's your 
third-party confirmation, which is all that Yelp is looking for here, that's not good enough to me. That is simply not good enough to, to put your reputation on the line. And on top of it, what does racist mean? Well, the definition doesn't apply to almost anything that is going to, going to fall under this because the definition is the belief that one race is better than another or the behaviors that support that belief. Uh, and that's from Merriam-Webster. Um, but we know that it means something different to everybody. You know, we hear the term racist thrown around quite a lot lately. And so to, to one group of people, and I'm not taking a side on this, I'm just, this is a, a, a common fight, um, you know, the Confederate flag. To some people, doesn't represent anything racial, and to some people, it does. So where is Yelp going to fall on this? And it's going to come down to the reviewer. What does that reviewer consider? You know, there's well, all... I mean, I think they that's don't have circumstance. Yelp hasn't. Yeah. Yelp hasn't published a definition, which is a problem. Uh-huh. Um, if they if they publish a definition, at least we know what they're working under. Right now, they're working. They're going to work under the same rules that Google is, which is uh, whatever we think go away. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's what we've seen on on YouTube, where the policies. You know, we've talked about it a lot, where the policies change reviewer to reviewer. Um, and I think that's what's going to happen here. I think this is a disaster waiting to happen. This is going to be the, f- the first restaurant that goes out of business because of because of false accusations put up with a, with a seal of approval from Yelp is going to cause a massive lawsuit and Yelp is going to lose its reputation. That's my, that's my uh, thinking. Yelp is going to lose its reputation. <laughs> Like they already have a reputation for for fact checking their reviews. Well, there's I mean, definitely that, <laughs> right? Uh, I mean, I I like I said, I think Yelp Yelp reviews have a valid place. I think people need to look at them and they need to be to look at multiple sources. They need mm-hmm. to see what the preponderance of it, and then they need to see what the the, the subtlety of what the review what the reviews are saying. Right. Right. Yeah, a one star uh, review because because the server uh, didn't bring enough forks or yeah, well, <laughs> we, well, yeah, I mean, we've all seen reviews like that. <laughs> I I always I whether I'm going to a restaurant or buying you know a five dollar item on Amazon, I look through to see the the different things that people have said, and sometimes you know I I look for the things that are that seem to ring true or seem Incredible. Now, mm-hmm. uh, I, to always, your, I always to, read the most. Your, I always read the most recent five stars and the most recent one stars. Yes, right. I mean, it's it's good to see. You know what what are people what are people giving it negative for? So, as far as as far as deciding, um, Yelp deciding what it is and is not racist. That's that's a really tough uh, road to hoe. But I think. I think for sure, if I were thinking about going to the restaurant, a restaurant, and you know, and they had what I would consider to be racist uh, symbols up, then you know that would make me not want to go to the restaurant. Sure. Now, obviously, the term "racist" is a is a loaded term, mm-hmm. right? 
So nobody wants to nobody wants to be called nobody wants to be called a racist. It's a uh, nobody wants to be called called a racist, and that's why even people whose behavior uh, many of us would argue is racist mm-hmm. will say that they have no racist bone in their body or they nobody calls me a racist or sure. whatever. So that so. I get that it's a loaded term and that's why I, I agree with you that Yelp going out and sort of putting, I don't know how they're going to present this. Is it going to be like an icon like is it, know, on there that like, it is a warning yeah. with text uh, at the top of the listing. Um, I didn't include the screenshot in the article, but maybe I'll go back and add that. Can I see this now? Like are there places that have listings that have it now? Uh, no, uh, but they shared the, they shared what the thing was going to look like. Uh, it might be in the the link to the blog post, which is in the article. Let me pull it up. I saw it in a... Yeah. Uh, so at plughitslive.com slash the upstream, uh, we have an article about this or in the show notes for this article or for this episode, um, there's a link to the blog post announcing this. And uh, you can see the a screenshot of the web version of the notification, which comes up, and you have to dismiss it uh, before you can see the full uh, listing on the web. They haven't talked about exactly what it'll look like on mobile, but it is a it's a pop up that you have to dismiss on the web. Wait a second, you, you I think there's one thing that you didn't that you didn't mention, which is interesting here, looking at Yelp's post, it says, will default to a general public attention alert to inform consumers if someone associated with the business was accused of or the target of racist behavior. So there will alert you if the business was a target of racist behavior? Well, that's weird. So... I mean, if I'm running a business and, you know, and there are people coming in and targeting my employees or I'm the owner and they're targeting me with, with hate, with hate speech, um, <laughs> I don't know what the goal of having that on Yelp is. Is that so that people will try and support me because, you know, we'll try and support the business uh, to help fight the racism because... I don't know if like that's not that's not going to warn me away from the business if the business has been or at least it's very unfair you know say oh this this the people who run the business were harassed wow but now that of course is different from the business accused of racist behavior alert yeah when there's resounding evidence of egregious racist actions from business owner or employee. Yeah, their their definition of resounding evidence is not uh, is not great. Um, uh, and, and that's the problem. It's this is all too hypothetical. If you're going to announce something that you know is going to be a problem, because every there's no way 
that they didn't run this past the legal team. The legal team didn't say these are these are the possible issues. So they know that there's there's going to be issues with this. For them to not talk about two important things. One, what is the threshold? What are the triggers on which this is going to uh, happen? And two, if my business has been accused of being racist, how do I deal with this on Yelp? Because my guess is that there's going to be more... There's going to... I don't know what the percentage is going to be. I'm not going to say. I'm going to say that there's going to be a lot of invalid stuff on here, and there's going to be businesses that are that are harmed without enough evidence or without any evidence, um, because this is such a topic right now. You know what I mean? And you know, you can watch videos online of people losing it, claiming people are you know a business is racist because they won't take back a. God, I saw a video. Somebody purchased something from a Walmart 13 years ago, and they were trying to return it. And they they called everybody in the store that worked for the store racist because they wouldn't return the thing because the guy was Hispanic or something. Yeah, <laughs> this is going to be a problem for sure. I see this being a problem. I don't see any scenario in which it's not. I understand what they're trying to do. As a consumer, I can certainly appreciate. Uh, the the theoretical scenario around it, but I don't think the reality is what they think it is. That's my problem with it. I mean, it's 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 inter- it's it's so it's so complicated, and this is such a complex and nuanced subject that I think it is hard to, I think it is hard to legitimately to do what they're doing. On, at the scale at which they would need to do it yeah. for all the millions of businesses that are that are covered by Yelp, and that's and, to and that's it, my concern, and, and to make it fair. On the other hand, I certainly hope that that consumers will post about racist behavior on that they experience sure. at these at these stores or at these whatever establishments, sure. and if I'm reading Yelp and I see that and it looks credible to me, then I wouldn't patronize that business. Yes. So it it's, I think that it's right for people to put up those, you know, for individuals to, to, to uh, blow the whistle on that. Sure. But Yelp labeling it yeah. as the kind of proprietor of, of the service probably has to be held to a higher standard of evidence. Yeah. And that's, that's my so, thing. And they just don't have the resources. The they don't have the resources or the, or the expertise on dealing with that. And that's, that's where my concern comes in that, that people are going to know that this is going to be overwhelming for Yelp and they're going to take advantage of that overwhelming nature. I'm not saying I mean, it's a bad, I would like- I'm not saying it's a bad feature conceptually. I'm not saying that, that people shouldn't post about their experiences. It's literally what Yelp is all about. But I think Yelp getting into the business of certifying the truth or not of of the information is a is a scary place for them to get. Yeah, well, I think in general, them getting in the business of certifying the truth of any of the of any of the things on there. Now, sure. I think that's what other people than, would love to see. Other than you know certain you know verifiable things, does this place have outdoor seating? Does it have 
you know, uh, right. Thing. But I mean, crowdsourced even information like are, are there TVs in a sports bar or can I, I do takeout I mean, or I, delivery? I get that, that I get that, but I, I would, this I is, would, I mean, I, this I would, is a little different. Yeah. I mean, I would, on the other hand, love to see Yelp do more to bring factual information into Yelp. That was, that was easily provable. For example, I don't think that Yelp has health ratings for restaurants on on their on their pages, whereas that's publicly accessible information. It's interesting. I actually right? thought that it was on there. Oh, it is. It I may not be have that for all. I would say it may not be for everything. It might it might depend on uh on on, on the locality. Yeah, you know, or or I feel for like example, here it is. if they're. Or, for example, if there have been lawsuits against a place or, I mean, there's things that are in the, the public record sure. that that could be brought in. And, of course, you could dispute well, somebody could sue you and it's not fair or whatever. But that takes a lot more effort to actually sue someone for, for doing something wrong than, you know, or the Better Business Bureau where they have serious investigation, like, uh-huh. you know, maybe the Better Business Bureau, if the Better Business Bureau and Yelp were somehow brought together on one page. Um, yeah. Yeah. Something like that would, would make sense. Yeah, I I definitely agree that, that Yelp has has both the the power and the reach <laughs> to be able to to bring that kind of information together. I think it's a good idea, but that's externally verifiable information. Like you said, I, yeah. Yeah. Get, get very, the, very hard to, yeah, we've, we've talked, we've talked about, we've talked about, you know, platforms versus publishers and what, what happens when you start trying to be the arbiter of truth, you, you lose business, you lose, Reputation, I it just seems like a bad idea to me and something that's going to end with them in a lawsuit. But I guess time will tell. This week's DRM not included in F5 Live is proudly powered by Amazon Prime. Uh, this week is Prime Day. Day is whatever... Uh, and uh, but on top of Prime Day and free shipping, you also get uh, Amazon Prime Music, which is free music. You get free TV, movies, and documentaries with Amazon Prime Video. You get free games and a free subscription with Amazon Prime Gaming, and a whole lot more. To learn more and get quick links to all of these features, plus if you're not already a subscriber and you want a 30-day free trial, uh, we've got a link for that as well. This week would be a good time to do that in time for Prime Day. Uh, And you can even give it as a gift uh, to a friend or family member who's not a subscriber. And all of that can be found at f5live.tv slash prime. Okay. So five years ago, AT&T bought DirecTV. It was a weird move. Uh, we talked at the time about uh, the popularity of of uh, content deliverers getting into the content space uh, as well. You know, Verizon was purchasing what I still refer to as um, the nostalgia unit, which was uh, Yahoo and AOL and things like that. Um, 
AT&T had purchased DirecTV for a ridiculous, ridiculous amount of money. Uh, 67 point something billion dollars. Um, and considering DirecTV had been struggling for a number of years, that seemed like a lot of money. Uh, since AT&T purchased it, things have gotten considerably worse. They have seen so many people uh, leave the service that somebody uh, in the upper levels of the company thought that lying about their subscriber growth would be a good idea. There have been uh, lawsuits and investigations by investors and uh, the federal government. And the inevitable decision, of course, after, after some, some layoffs and uh, things like that, was that the brand would be sold. There was no way that this was not the end result of, of this downward spiral. And um, so this week, we found out that in the first round of bidding for DirecTV, the, uh, the number is somewhere in the $16 billion range, down from 67 And AT&T is not backing away. They're like, you know what? This has got to go. They are hoping for a second round of bids, but if 16 is what it is, 16 is what it is. This reminds me a lot of uh, News Corp buying and then selling MySpace. 580 million and then 35 million. Uh, just an absolute disaster of a purchase. Who would want it? Even Dish Network doesn't want it. The only company who could possibly want DirecTV, Dish Network, only because of the satellites. And even Dish is like, nah, we'll, we'll hold off. I think Dish is hoping that whoever buys, whoever buys it now, which will probably be an investment firm, will uh, do their own fire sale at some point in the future. And, and Dish will buy the assets uh, uh, Circuit City style. But, but I mean, even Dish Network's like, nah, we're good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess they'd be lucky to get to get their sixteen billion. Then, I, mean, I don't know. Is there is there a great future and is there a great future in in in, in satellite TV? I don't think so. I honestly, you know the the amount of of. Uh, homes that are that are covered today versus 15 years ago when I sold these two services um, you know that it's a different it's a different landscape today it's not as expensive to 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 wire there are alternate options so many alternate options you know, the the price of YouTube TV for example or Hulu with live TV compared to DirecTV or Dish Network, and uh, and especially here in Florida, the likelihood that when you do want to use it, it will not work <laughs> because it's raining or cloudy. You know, there's it's just not a it's just not a good investment today for a consumer, let alone for an owner. It's, unless yeah, somebody so can repurpose these satellites, like a lot. unless somebody can repurpose these satellites. 
or something valuable. I don't know. <laughs> it's expensive to put a satellite in the, in space. So if you can purchase ones that are already up there, maybe. But I mean, my goodness, uh, it's crazy to me. I, and I definitely don't think that that a pair of companies fighting over the eight customers that are subscribed is is worth it. <laughs> so my guess is, in the end, DirecTV vanishes. Somebody repurposes satellites that are in space. Dish Network goes forward for as long as, as the concept is, is viable. And we already know that even Dish Network is trying to pivot away from the idea because they bought all of Sprint's prepaid uh, uh, cell brands. They bought the Sprint prepay, Virgin Mobile. They own Boost Mobile. They, as part of the as part of the T-Mobile deal. So even Dish Network's trying to pivot away from it. It's their only business. Yeah, this this seems like a loser to me. Yeah. I mean, they're. I think they're probably lucky to get sixteen billion if they, if they do. Yeah. There's not a lot of future in this with all the cord cutting that's going on. Yeah. People want people wanting high speed internet, and then five G isn't five G going to make this even less useful because yep. Yep. people are going to do cord cutting. Those who are not serviced well by fiber optic or or cable will be able to get in home five G soon enough. Yeah, so. What, you know, what is this? What is the point of this? Exactly. Yeah. I, it's, I was shocked when AT&T purchased it in the first place. I was even more shocked when they put the globe in front of the DirecTV name, um, because that's going to be a weird transition as it leaves AT&T's ownership, having the globe on devices out in the wild. Um, but it was a bad purchase in the first place. <laughs> But that's not the only trouble that AT&T is having in their entertainment division. Uh, the other side of things is the actual uh, content production, Warner Media. Um, in August, they laid off a couple of hundred people, and now it looks like several thousand are about to be laid off out of the Warner Media division. Now, granted, some of this has to do with redundancies because uh, the company has purchased additional brands and things that are going to have going to have uh, duplicate positions, but they've tried to put that off as much as possible. Obviously, the lockdown and the inability for them to produce new content has has had you know an effect on the on the business as it has on most businesses. But entertainment has taken a a pretty hard hit in this. Um, it, the company had almost thirty thousand employees at the beginning of the year. Uh, the company refuses to say how many employees will be let go in this in this round, but the fact that they're saying that means that it's not a small number. Uh, it sucks. But I mean, this was, this was the inevitable outcome of both all of these mergers into, into what is now Warner media. Um, but, you know, shutting down services, there used to be, you know, 35 different streaming services all with the HBO name. Yes, that's hyperbole. Um, and, and now they're trying to streamline everything down to one. So there's, you know, there's all kinds of, all kinds of redundancies in there, but you know, the studios being closed, the, the, the marketing divisions, you know, everybody's been closed. 
revenues down huge. This was this was inevitable, I think, uh, especially at Warner Media. We've seen it at Disney already, uh, but I, this was inevitable at Warner Media, especially with all the other all the other strife, <laughs> like Directv. Right? It it just seems seems like this had to happen at some point. Well, uh, we will we will. Uh, Keep an eye on the DirecTV sale for you because that's one of the weirder stories uh, out of AT&T. Um, I cannot wait to see what that final number is because that is truly bonkers. Well, that is our show. Thank you to those of you who joined us live. We always appreciate it. If you didn't and would like to in the future, Sunday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern, f5live.tv slash join us. There you can chat with us in the studio. Uh, give us your feedback on the topics as we talk about them. We always appreciate that. Uh, if you would like to subscribe, plughitslive.com slash subscribe. There you'll see all of our shows, F5 Live, Pilch Point, Plug Hits Live Presents, How To, Unboxed, and a whole lot more. Um, this week, actually tomorrow, we have a number of How To videos going up. Um, so definitely check that out. Um, and I guess other than, uh, a reminder to, uh, to stay tuned to Tom's hardware this week for the, uh, all of the deal stuff that Avram and his team will be putting together, um, on behalf of the staff that's not here. I'm Scott. I'm Avram. And we will see you ne back next week. Ciao.